some of the most meaning-filled events in the entire New Testament are seen at the Last Supper that we celebrate tonight on Monday, Thursday. The lessons taught on this final night of Jesus' life are arguably the most important lessons the disciples or any of us will learn in this lifetime. Tonight's message is about unconditional love. Unconditional love formed out of humility. It actually centers around Luke's account of the Last Supper. Luke recorded that Jesus' disciples were still arguing about which of them was the greatest at the table that night. Luke's gospel revealed that Jesus' disciples were still obsessed with their own dignity, their own honor and elevation. That must have deeply grieved our Lord. Because once again, they showed their weakness and spiritual immaturity after spending every day with them for three years. Their arguing, however, set into motion Jesus' humble expression of his unconditional love for his own, including each of us gathered here this night. The purpose of this discourse in chapter 13, and in fact, actually the next four chapters of John's gospel, are to reveal and model the new commandment that Jesus gives for us as believers. The new commandment, datum in Latin, from which we get the word mandate, which has been Anglicanized, could shape and define our Christian lives. Listen to the commandment that Jesus gives to us once again from John chapter 13 on this night. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, you have love for one another. Well, another lecture may have worked, but Jesus had already done that. The fact is you can't lecture or preach love into someone's heart, can you? The only effective way to teach others how to love, my friends, is by loving on them. We need to keep in mind as well that Jesus knew these men were going to have to teach the first century church how to love. And how would they do that? By lecturing? By loving on them. Jesus knew his disciples that day and all of us here tonight needed a model. We needed an example. So Jesus himself became the model of true biblical love for us all in the next two days. Biblical love is unconditional, unselfish love, unlike our selfish love that we know as human beings. Biblical love in its purest form is fully committed to the joy, satisfaction, and fulfillment of others at any time, at any cost, Jesus shows that any sacrifice. The kind of love that Jesus commands us to model as true disciples. Before his disciples that night, 
or any of us here are able to love and serve in that capacity, we must first be stripped of our self-seeking, our self-serving, our self-centered nature. And that, my friends, is usually a very painful process. That process often occurs by being humbled, broken. Humility, humility is our pathway to wholeness. Our humility pathway to wholeness enables us to love like Jesus commands us. We see the relationship between humility and love dramatically displayed in the events that occurred on this night and certainly tomorrow in the life of our Savior. Jesus initially humbled himself coming here to this earth to live among us as one of us. But at this last supper, by washing the disciples' feet and then going to the cross the next day like a common thief for them and for us, he showed us all that humility is the full extent of his love for his own. It's hard to imagine, but I want you to try to imagine what it must have been like when Jesus stood up at the table during the final Passover meal, removed his robe, then tied a towel around his waist and began washing his disciples' dirty feet. It's hard for us today in our culture to fully comprehend or understand the shock of that moment in their culture. A friend of mine by the name of Gary Selman, who's a well-known career coach and author, provided me a captivating vision of that moment that I've seen nothing to compare to yet. Gary tells a story about leading a leadership summit in Houston before hundreds of CEOs and leaders of some of the largest corporations in the world. Gary's presentation, titled Leading with a Servant's Heart, he stressed a critical need for a new corporate leadership model, a model guided by humility and generosity, not power, greed, and arrogance. At the most critical moment in his presentation, Gary stepped off the stage and then approached the audience. He then said, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ provided us the greatest example of servant leadership at the Last Supper. And as he said those words, he knelt down on one knee and reached out both arms to a CEO in the front row and then asked him, may I wash your feet? Total silence of the room. Gary then stood back up and asked this very convicting question. Ladies and gentlemen, as corporate leaders, whose feet have you washed lately? All eyes then gazed down at the floor revealing their answer. After hearing that story, I have envisioned that at every single leadership gathering I have ever had to attend. It gave me clarity in our culture what that would have looked like in his, Jesus' culture. So now we back up 2,000 years. What many people miss is the Passover meal was already underway when Jesus got up and began to wash their feet. Now imagine what a surprise that must have been. 
Imagine what Judas was thinking. Imagine how ashamed and surprised they all must have been because that would have been a job that they should have offered to do. We know that Peter was shocked and enraged. And he reacted to the group as he usually did by trying to stop Jesus. As verse 8 says, he said, Lord, you shall never wash my feet. Peter's words provide an important teaching point worth unpacking on this night. Peter reveals to us that it's not so easy receiving. In fact, it's often hard to receive. Normally, many of you experience that feeling on this very night at the foot washing that we would normally do. The truth is, it's often harder to receive than it is to give, isn't it? Why is that? Have you ever even thought about that? Well, the reason it's hard to receive is because receiving, my friends, humbles us. Receiving reveals our own personal need. Receiving breaks down our sense of self-sufficiency. Receiving requires us to trust someone else. Receiving from Jesus means acknowledging that we need a Savior. It means acknowledging that our world is broken. It means acknowledging that we are part of the brokenness. It means we must be willing to confess our sins. It means that we need to be cleansed. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Like Peter, Many of us don't want to receive from Jesus. But the pathway to spiritual wholeness calls for us to first receive before we can love and give. On this night, Peter would begin a very painful humility journey. After leaving this room this night when he would deny Jesus three times, the journey would begin for him. and It would be painful. After all, it's only through humbly receiving that we are changed, that our hearts are turned and we draw closer to Jesus. In fact, uncomfortably closer. Just like his disciples, Jesus must get right before us as well. He needs to get before us and ask us to humbly allow him to cleanse the dirt and grime from our hearts and souls. Friends, once we're able to humbly receive from Jesus, our hearts begin to turn. They turn toward him and toward others. And then we're no longer afraid to admit our own failings, our own shortcomings, our own weaknesses. It's at that point we no longer have to defend our status. It's at that point we can finally let go of our inflated egos. It's at that point that we can stop pretending we're something we're not. It's at that point that we're liberated. Because at that point a sense of freedom and peace washes over us. Turns our world upside down, or rather, it turns it right side up. I can remember a moment in my life, a moment in time, one moment, one of the most painful moments in my life. I surrendered like that. And I felt the peace of God that passes all understanding with a world of uncertainty still in front of me. 
course, the disciples didn't fully understand what Jesus was doing. In fact, Jesus even tells them in the 17th verse, What I'm doing you do not know, but afterwards you will understand. Father Andrew beautifully brought together a sermon last week. And it started and said we must listen, obey, and then understand. Because the understanding usually comes later. Sometimes it doesn't come on this side. Jesus knew he had to start with their feet. He also knew that their humility journey would start at a gradually transform within their hearts and their minds to bring them to the ability to love biblically. Friends, humility teaches us biblical love, which helps us become more conformed to Christ's likeness. We're tempted to think that true humility is a state of being or or some spiritual mindset that we eventually will arrive at in our faith journey. But that's not so. In fact, C.S. Lewis once said, True humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Each of our humility journeys are personal. It means they're messy. They're relational, which means they take time. They're practical, which means they're impossible to fake. They're experiential, which means we have to learn as we go. Our personal humility journey can occur in many different ways. They can occur through a crisis in our life, a personal loss, a layoff, or even a pandemic. <laughs> Bring separation, isolation, increased addictions, and depression. Each of us have a slightly different humility path before us in this lifetime. And I don't know what your path may look like. I can tell you what my path humility looked like. It was paved through mergers, through moves, through pay cuts, required taking a second job to keep our home, and eventually led me to the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. Folks, many, many pride on the pathway of humility as a result of this fear pandemic in our world today. But the transformational pathway to humility will never discriminate. It doesn't matter who you are. And the good news is humility leads to wholeness. It enables us to love like Jesus. It moves us from isolation to compassion, even if it's virtual. It moves us from disorientation to focus. It moves us from prideful paralysis to loving action. It moves us from brokenness, from brokenness to spiritual wholeness. It's not just for the special, the super spiritual people because there aren't any. There aren't any. There's only us. And we are called to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. And he calls us to take our hands and humble ourselves by using them to serve others. Then as we become more conformed to his likeness, our hearts are transformed and enable us to love and to relate on a biblical level. We see that illustrated in Peter's life. His heart was transformed after his humility journey on the other side of the cross. The same prideful Peter who tried to stop Jesus from washing his feet 
and later denied his Savior and even knowing him, would one day say these words in 1 Peter chapter 4. Above all, love each other deeply. Love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Transformed heart. Folks, it's through life's humility lessons that Jesus also promises blessing. The blessing found in humility isn't a separate reward which God grants to us at some later time in life because we have faithfully been serving him by serving others. That's not how it works. The blessing, my friends, is the humility itself. Humility is the foundation on which biblical love must be built. Humility frees our hearts and our souls from the bondage of self so we can be used by God for God. We can't and never will know the joy found in leaving behind our egos or the joy found in searching out and using our hands for others in biblical love till we learn to humbly let go in our lives of ourselves. It all begins all begins when we allow Jesus to kneel before us and wash our feet as humble servants. It only begins, my friends, when we're willing to receive. Once we have received from Jesus, he then hands a towel in the basin to you. He commands you to love as he is loved. Biblical love that we are commanded to have for others is displayed by helping others when it's not convenient, by giving to others when it really hurts, by devoting our priceless time and energy to others rather than ourselves, by absorbing hurt from others without complaining. We all know, folks, kind of love is not easy, which is why people notice it when we do it. That's how we put our faith and our Christianity on display, or as Jesus tells us in verse 35, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That, friends, is biblical love. That's the love that we're commanded to have for each other. And when we do, we're able to receive the promised blessing that we heard Jesus offer us in verses 16 and 17. Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who has sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Blessed are you if you do them. Hear that? Jesus says, blessed you are if you do them. Is there anybody in this room or listening tonight who wants or needs to receive that divine blessing that Jesus made to you on the last night of his life so long ago? If so, then recommit tonight to keep the great commandment. Jesus commanded of us 
on the last night of his life before going to the cross to die for our sins. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. Some message of this night. It's the message of these two days. It's unconditional love poured out and displayed for others. Blessed are those who hear the words of this command and abide and obey them. May you be blessed. May the love of Christ reside in you, be lived out through and among you with one another. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, 